Doreen Jack and her husband, Ronald Ronnie Jack, both grew up on the south side of Burns Lake, Prince George, British Columbia. Not much is known about Ronnie's younger years, however, according to one of Doreen's sisters, Marlene, their family life was far from average. Marlene claimed in an article published on the Vancouver Sun website that the sisters had suffered, quote, emotional and sexual abuse when they were children and young adults. They attended one of Canada's infamous residential schools, where they were subject to a string of violent abuse and grew to fear authority. Marlene herself was homeless for a time, though it is unclear whether Doreen was too. Other than this, not much else is known about the pair, nor their other sister, Laureen. Doreen and Ronnie eventually got married and had two sons together, Russell Fabian, who was born on February 28, 1980, and Ryan Paul, who was born on July 26, 1985. The family of four were of the Chislata Carrier Nation, and by 1989 were living at an address on Strathcona Avenue in the south side of Burns Lake. By this time, Ronnie and Doreen were both 26 years old, with their eldest son Russell being nine and Ryan being four. By August of 1989, the Jacks fell on hard times. Ronnie had been out of work for some time due to a back injury and, as a result, the family struggled financially and were living off state welfare. Their financial issues took a significant toll on them. All they wanted was a stable income to support their family, just like any decent parents would want for their children. On the evening of August 1st, 26-year-old Ronnie visited a neighbourhood pub called the First Liter Pub, located a few blocks away from the family home. After having a couple of drinks, Ronnie struck up conversations with an unknown male individual who soon proposed a job offer to Ronnie. The unknown man was described by two witnesses as having a pale complexion, aged somewhere between 35 and 40 years old, with reddish-brown side-parted hair measuring just below his ears, a moustache and a short beard. He was estimated to be between 6 feet to 6 feet 6 inches tall and weighing between 200 and 275 pounds, being described as, quote, hefty but not fat. Whilst in the pub, the man was wearing a cap, a red checkered shirt, faded blue jeans, a blue waist-length nylon jacket and a pair of work boots with leather fringes over the toes. The strange man offered Ronnie and Doreen a lifeline, work at a logging ranch located five or so miles past Bednesty, near to Clucas Lake, situated around 40 kilometres west of the family's home in Burns Lake. 
The man offered Ronnie a job bucking logs and offered Doreen a cook's helper job in at the kitchens at the site. The man also allegedly told Ronnie that the camp housed a daycare facility which could be used to take care of nine-year-old Russell and four-year-old Ryan whilst both their parents worked on the logging ranch respectively. Ronnie was naturally tempted by this offer, but he told the man that he didn't own a vehicle in which to drive to the camp. But it was at this point that the unidentified man offered to drive the Jack family to the logging ranch that night himself, but on one condition. The man told Ronnie that time was of the essence and that if they didn't leave that night, the offer was off the table. The prospect of two stable incomes and daycare for the children seemed almost too good to be true, but the Jack family were desperate for their finances to improve for the sake of their son's futures, so Ronnie didn't think twice about accepting this offer. Upon returning home, with the unidentified man driving him there, Ronnie spoke to his 26-year-old wife Doreen about the man's proposal. Both were excited at the prospect and couldn't believe their luck that, finally, their finances were going to improve. The couple decided to pack up their belongings alongside their two sons, though only packed enough to last them a few weeks. It appeared that the family had every intention of returning home when the job was done. According to Ronnie's brother and parents, both of whom he called at around 11.16pm and 1.15am respectively whilst packing up the family home, the Jacks were only meant to be out of town for between 10 and 14 days on the logging ranch as their eldest son Russell was due to start the new school year after their return. Little did Ronnie's brother and mother Mabel know that this would be the last time they would ever hear from Ronnie or any of the Jack family. They locked up their residence under the veil of night, got into the stranger's dark four-wheel drive pickup and drove away at approximately 1.30am on August 2nd, 1989. The family of four were never seen or heard from again. On August 25th, after the Jacks failed to return home, their extended family reported them as missing. The Jacks hadn't been in contact with any family members since they left their home three weeks prior, and this in itself was a huge cause for concern. Ronnie was extremely close to his mother and, according to one source, phoned her almost every night. Something was awry. A search for the family was conducted by Prince George RCMP on the ground and in the air where they scoured a number of properties and land sites in nearby Burns Lake. Hundreds of interviews were carried out by investigators where they questioned family, friends, neighbours and local residents, but unfortunately nothing of any significance came to light. 
there were absolutely no clues or any indicators as to why the family had left their home in such a hurry, nor any evidence to indicate where they had gone. Police visited a number of logging camps in the area, though interestingly none appeared to be hiring at that time, and nobody at these camps had seen anyone resembling the Jack family following their bizarre vanishing. The case quickly went cold, with no leads or tips helping investigators trace the Jack family down. That was until they received a phone call in January of 1996. At 8.33am, a man from Stony Creek called the Vanderhoof police, simply stating that the Jack family were buried, quote, at the south end of Gordy's ranch, before quickly hanging up the phone. Authorities tried to track down the male individual who made the call, appealing in newspapers for the man to come forward, but to no avail. The 10-second original call was analysed by professionals at the University of British Columbia two months later in March of 1996, and they managed to trace the call back to a residence in Vanderhoof itself. Allegedly, a house party took place when the call was made. However, it is unclear if the caller was ever identified as a person of interest or if the call was deemed a hoax of some kind. An anonymous letter was also allegedly sent to a third party, but whether the same individual was involved remains a mystery. The contents of this letter has not been revealed to the public as the RCMP don't want their investigation to be compromised in any way. The most likely theory is that the Jack family were murdered by the unidentified man, but if so, why? What was the motive? Were the Jacks lured into a trap? If so, again, what for? Were the family abducted and sold into an illegal trade of some kind? Foul play is deemed very likely in this case, though others have speculated that perhaps the foursome wanted to start their lives anew, or even suggested that perhaps they were involved in a car accident. However, because of the very little information known about the pickup truck they were last seen getting into, tracing the vehicle down is almost an impossibility. The Jacks had no reason to run away from their old life. They were very close-knit with their close and extended families, and despite their money worries, seemed to be in a good place. The only theory that seems likely here is that the Jacks somehow met with foul play on the night they disappeared, though what happened to them, we simply don't know. Police managed to identify a number of potential sites in and around Burns Lake where the Jack family could have been buried, the latest being in August of 2019. Authorities excavated land by a property on the Saika's First Nation Reserve, located south of Vanderhoof. However, despite investigating several of these sites, 
nothing of significance has ever been found in relation to the Jack family's disappearance. Over the years, investigators have stacked 60 boxes full of documents relating to this baffling case, though as time has progressed, the trail has simply gone cold. A renewed appeal for information was launched by the Prince George RCMP in September of 2019 in the hopes that anyone with any information would come forward. But as of yet, their appeal has been unsuccessful. A sketch of the suspect last seen with the Jack family was composed using two witness statements collected in 1989 and 1990 respectively, with authorities hoping that anyone who recognises this male individual will eventually come forward. Some speculate that the suspect resembles that of David Picton, brother of the infamous pig farmer serial killer Robert Picton, who killed between 6 and 49 women between 1983 and 2002, feeding their remains to the pigs on his farm. David had a previous criminal record of sexual assault and threatening to kill a 55-year-old woman, but there is no evidence to suggest that he was involved in this particular case, other than the resemblance between the suspect's sketch and David himself. Another potential suspect was Bobby Jack Fowler. He was a serial killer and rapist who operated in the United States and Canada between 1969 and 1995, mainly committing his crimes along Highway 16, running between Prince George and Prince Rupert in Canada. This stretch of road is infamously known as the Highway of Tears, as many young women, mainly of Indigenous origins, have disappeared or have been murdered along this highway since 1970, some of which were confirmed victims of Bobby Jack Fowler. Interestingly to note, Bobby frequently visited the First Liter pub, where Ronnie Jack met the mysterious man who offered him and his wife jobs at the nearby logging ranch in August of 1989. However, Bobby didn't match the description of the suspect. Though if Bobby had perhaps been present at the bar that same night, there is every possibility that he may have overheard Ronnie's conversation with the stranger and he somehow met them further down the road somewhere and perhaps killed them. But it is unlikely that we will ever know for sure unless the Jack family are found or any significant evidence is uncovered in the future. For now, this case leaves us with far more questions than answers. At the time of her disappearance, Doreen Jack was 26 years old. She was 5 feet 2 inches tall and weighed approximately 111 pounds. She had black hair and brown eyes and was of Native American origins. Her husband, Ronald Ronnie Jack, was also 26 years old, standing at 5 feet 6 inches tall and weighing around 150 pounds. 
He also had black hair and brown eyes and was of Native American origins. The couple's eldest son, Russell, was nine years old and stood at four feet tall, weighing around 90 pounds. And his younger brother, Ryan, was four at the time that the family disappeared. He stood at three feet tall and weighed 55 pounds. Like both of their parents, they had black hair and brown eyes and were of Native American origins. If the Jack family are somehow still alive out there somewhere, Doreen and Ronnie would both be in their late 50s. Their eldest son, Russell, would be approximately 42 years old and their youngest, Ryan, would be 37. In 2020, Miami-Dade Police Department forensic artist Samantha Steinberg composed age progression images of the Jack family and what they possibly would look like now if they are still alive. The Jack family's remaining relatives are hopeful that these up-to-date sketches will help trigger someone's memory and perhaps share a significant piece of information which could help solve their case. Losing one member of your family is heartbreaking, but losing four is beyond comprehension. All Doreen and Ronnie's remaining relatives want are answers, and for justice to be served after 30 years of not knowing what happened. Doreen's sister, Marlene, has continued to keep the case alive in a bid to pursue the truth, even testifying and speaking about her sister's family at the National Inquiry into Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls in 2017. She told the inquiry that she was, rather shockingly, told not to speak to the media about the Jack case and that if she did, the police would not give her any more updates regarding the investigation. The commissioner praised Marlene for coming forward and talking about her difficult childhood and adulthood and the heartbreaking disappearance of her sister, her brother-in-law, and her nephews. Marlene doesn't want the case to be put on the back burner and forgotten about, like so many Indigenous cases. Every Indigenous life matters. The Jack family mattered, and Marlene won't stop in trying to find out the truth about what happened to them. Ronnie's mother, Mabel, also spent countless hours searching for her son and his family, along with her husband, spending the entirety of their savings on looking for them, but unfortunately to no avail. An entire family doesn't just vanish without somebody somewhere knowing what happened to them. All the Jack's remaining relatives want are to find out what happened that fateful night in August of 1989 and whatever the outcome, want Doreen, Ronnie, Russell and Ryan to come home so they can finally be put to rest. 
almost 33 years have passed and this mysterious and puzzling case remains unsolved. The RCMP state that this case remains open and are looking for anyone with any information, no matter how big or small, to come forward. Even the smallest piece of information could be significant. The Jack family deserve justice and their families and friends need that closure. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of the Jack family, you are encouraged to contact Prince George RCMP on 250-561-3300. Thank you once again for listening to this episode of the Stolen Sisters podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we endeavour to be back with another episode very soon. Take care and be safe. (laughs) 